Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ communities, this is Well, 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 brought to you every week by Thorn Harbour Health. Here on Well, 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 we delve into the issues impacting and surrounding the health and well-being of our gender, sex and sexually diverse communities. Coming to you from Joy's Victorian Pride Centre studios on Bunurong Country, I'm your host, Jacinta Hennecom, joined this week in the studio by Rachel Cook. How are you going, Rach? I'm going very well. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining me for this episode. It is a very important topic that we are looking at tonight. We will be focusing on cancer screening and you know, how it's involved in the LGBTIQ communities ahead of World Cancer Day on the 4th of February. We will be talking to Gabe Curtis about cervical screening and the new self-collection option that is available for people with the cervix. Uh, obviously, tonight's episode is um, focused on something that can be a difficult topic for people. Cancer is something that has touched all of our lives in some way, I'm sure. And prostate cancer and cervical cancer are both really prevalent diseases for everyone, whether that's through you know, becoming familiar with it through regular screenings that we get or being impacted by diagnosis for yourself or a partner or family or friends. Uh, And so we hope that you get some important info out of tonight's show. Um, Please feel free to reach out to the support services. We will be mentioning those at the end of tonight's show and also including that on the podcast page. So please stick around and share the space with us. You're getting well, well, well with the team from Thorn Harbour Health. You're here with Jacinta and Rachel, and we are now joined by Gabe Curtis, a nurse at Equinox, the peer-led trans and gender diverse and non-binary health service, which is operated by Thorn Harbour Health in Abbotsford. Gabe does cervical cancer screenings at Equinox and is with us now. Thanks so much for joining us, Gabe. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for being here. We wanted to start with a basic question. What is cervical screening? So cervical screening is exactly what it sounds like. It's a screen that we use to detect potential uh, precancerous or cancerous changes within a person's cervix. And um, another basic question, Gabe, but one I know that a lot of people with a cervix don't know. What is the cervix and what does it do? So the cervix is this gorgeous little fleshy ring uh, that is sometimes known as the neck to the womb so it sits between the vaginal opening or the front hole um, and the uh, womb itself Um, it kind of is a lubrication and it's also a key feature for uh, childbirth and gabe who needs a cervical screening and how often do they need to do that test yeah so anyone that has a cervix should be having a screening Um, we usually say to do it every five years unless something Uh, flags up in a previous screening to indicate or if there's any kind of symptoms that are occurring for the person uh, that may require that we do a uh, 
test more frequently. Uh, but otherwise, we usually start screening for someone at the age of 25 up until the age of 74 years old. Now, we know from research that LGBTIQ people with a cervix underscreen for cervical cancer. Why do you think that is? I think the sad reality is that when we think about anatomy, we think about it in a heteronormative way. So um, things like anything related to sexual health it can sometimes come down to um, male anatomy, female anatomy, and if that's not occurring, something like HPV uh, is misunderstood. Lots of queer women will assume that if they haven't interacted with male anatomy that it's not a concern for them, but any kind of sexual contact um, of mucosa from any gender can transmit HPV across. So I think uh, it's usually miseducation um, and just a little bit of heteronormativity. Yeah, and other other barriers that uh, trans people come up with when they are asking for cervical screening or perhaps miss out on being asked to do cervical screening, uh, you know, for trans men and for non-binary people and other um, genderqueer people, what kind of barriers exist there? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm yet to meet anyone does a handstand when I say it's time for a cervical screen. It's yeah. not a comfortable thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think a huge barrier is people just feel uncomfortable to have the conversation, um, which is a real shame. Um, and I, when I say that, I mean like medical professionals think that it's a little too uh, intrusive or taboo to bring up anatomy with a gender diverse person when the reality is that uh, anyone who has a cervix should be identified as requiring a screen for that. Um, and I think it's really important that the conversation is raised in a way that uh, allows that person to have autonomy in choice of how that screening is attended and when it's attended. And there's been some changes over recent years for cervical screening. Obviously, it used to be known as the pap smear. Um, and now there's a different frequency in how often you get it and uh you know, what they're testing for. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, we used to uh, screen it more frequently and now we're doing a, a cervical screen every five years. Again, unless something flags up that requires uh, a sooner screening. I really want to highlight the fact that what we're talking about here is a screening tool. So uh, the changes that we've talked will give kind of uh, indicated towards there is a self-collect um, and a self-collect screen means that the person can attend to a swab themselves, um, which will usually will bypass the need for a speculum, um, and we can uh, run the test from there. HPV is what we call transient, so it comes and goes in a lot of cases. 90% of the time it'll clear. So if someone comes back with a result that says HPV is detected, we will request that they will have a screening again in 12 months' time. Um, if no HPV was detected, we'll say, great, see you in five years. But if something precancerous or something a little bit concerning flags up, we're going to actually refer that client further for diagnostic testing, and that's when we'll do something a bit more invasive, which will require a speculum. And I guess, you know, getting back to reasons why there have been barriers to people 
having cervical screening in the past, there is this fear around the pain that might be involved. And, of course, there are ways that that can be um, either people overestimate um, what the process might do, but there are ways as well of, like, making people much more comfortable if they do have to go through using a a, a speculum. I'm just wondering if you can take us through some ways that you know that people can help them relax if they are going through this test. Yeah, totally. Look, I think, again, when we're talking about something like this, irregardless of gender, that, you know, trauma-informed care is so important. Um, We don't know people's trauma history. We don't know if there's anything that may be a physical or an emotional barrier for them in this, you know, um, screening or this uh, procedure. So I think the main things to do, or what I would do, uh, is in my practice, I have the conversation with the client first, to establish when they want to do it. It's really awful if you just say, right, we're going to do it today. People get caught off guard. um, And when we feel tense, our body's going to tense up and that's going to make it for a a much more uncomfortable process. I think it's also really important that we explain the procedure. Consent, obviously, is a no-brainer. We need to have consent. So I always um, ask the client if they're comfortable seeing, you know, the parts of the procedure we'll be using, such as the speculum, um, I let them, you know, have a fiddle with it and kind of get the idea about the noises it's going to make, things like that. If someone's previously had a cervical screen before or previously a pap test, um, they may have been uh, advised where their cervix sits. Not everyone's cervix is going to sit in the same spot. Some people sit further back, maybe to the left, to the right, a bit deeper. Um, and having that knowledge is a much quicker process for someone who's doing the procedure to actually find it. So it'll be a quicker process in terms of the collection. Um, again, highlighting to the person that at any time they want to stop, we stop. It doesn't matter. Um, and then also a really big thing that I highlight is about position, um, making sure that the person has, you know, a covering over them, making sure we're using neutral language. Um, and again, In some circumstances, we can offer sedative. Um, Again, it's at doctor's discretion and we must ensure that that person has someone to assist them getting home after. And for the process around self-collection, is that something that is standardised in a certain way? Like what's involved in self-collection? Yeah, so a self-collection is eligible for anyone who isn't having any um, predisposition predisposing conditions, um, which again, the doctor or the nurse will identify with the client at the time and see eligibility for it. Uh, But if someone is eligible, which a lot of the time is the case, um, we are just doing what we call a self-collect swab. So we will give you an information sheet about how to do it. And it's a one-time collection swab inserted into the front hole um, and then the client, sorry, self-inserts and they can do this in the bathroom in clinic and then uh, we send it down for them. And can I just say someone who actually has experienced self-collection that there is another way that you can have it done too. I didn't actually know because um, I I went in for a cervical screening my GP asked if I wanted to do self-collection. I said, actually, yeah, I do, but I don't feel comfortable. I know how to do it properly. And so she actually did it. So it was sort of like half and half, like half, like she 
she guided me through it. Uh-huh. So um, yeah, um, that was really great. So next time I do it, I will feel completely confident to do it myself. Um, and also, just it is amazing as someone who is a little bit older than Jacinth. Um, <laughs> over here, calling uh, me out. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm uh, calling, calling myself out. out yeah, um, has had a number of cervical screenings in my life. That if you are a little bit nervous about and you haven't had a cervical screening, but you've heard maybe perhaps some negative stories, you cannot believe how much it has changed. And it is such. It can be such, especially with self collection now. Such a trauma free and easy, easy process as well i guess that brings us to the 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 question gabe why is this option of self-collection so important i think it's important because again we're giving autonomy to the person to do it at their own uh you know well-being so for some people like i said you don't want to just drop this into an appointment and say oh look it's the computer telling me you're due for this screen or you're eligible you should totally do it today even when we're talking about the, the glorious change that is passing a speculum versus self-collect, you know, people just kind of need to sometimes, you know, sit with their body a bit and, you know, take a moment for it. Um, so giving people that autonomy to kind of do a bit of research, as you said, might want to have some questions about it. Um, but even in some cases, we can send these out to clients and ask that they attend a clinic. So if we've got regional clients, but I think predominantly when we're talking about gender diverse folks, you know, exposing anatomy and things like that. I mean, any gender, it's just exactly that word. It's exposing, it's, you know, very vulnerable. Um, And so in your case, Rachel, yeah, you might feel more comfortable having someone kind of guide you with it. And in some cases, people just want to do it themselves. Um, and I think it's just about body autonomy and that's what's really important about it. Absolutely, Gabe, and that's a really good point and it's so important now that we have so many multiple options um, for people across our LGBTIQ communities. That's all we have time for today, Gabe. Thank you so much again for joining us and taking us through what the cervix is, what cervical screening is and, of course, this fantastic new option that we all have called self-collection. Thanks for having me. From HIV to COVID-19, STIs and everything in between, you're listening to Well, Well, Well on Joy 94.9. Well, that's it for another episode of Well, Well, Well. There will be links and information from tonight's show on the podcast page, which is joy.org.au forward slash well, well, well. If there's another topic that you'd like us to cover that perhaps we haven't covered yet or you'd like to hear more about, please get in touch by emailing wellwellwell at joy.org.au. We always love to hear about what interests there are in certain health topics and um, other queer wellbeing topics in our communities. And Rachel, you have an important event coming up uh, next week. Is that right? I do. Thursday, February 9th from 6pm at the Victorian Pride Centre, where we are right now. This is an annual event we run. It always sells out and tickets are almost gone. But I will just give a shout out to it in case we um, uh, anyone out there would like to s- register. It's called Wise Words, a night of intergenerational storytelling. And it's a night where we bring together some of our best and brightest LGBTIQ women. It's trans non-binary inclusive 
writers, performers and activists sharing their experiences. And we, we have a theme every year. And this year the theme is Through the Looking Glass. And we have an incredible lineup this year. Amy Middleton from Archer Magazine, Claire G. Coleman, the celebrated author and who was a finalist for the Stella Prize. Uh, really excited that Claire can join us. Sarah Ward, otherwise known as Yana Alana, Hannah Morphy Walsh and TJ White from Dykes and Bikes. And there probably will be more as well. So please, uh, if you want to come along to the event, just Google Wise Words Midsummer and a link will come up and we'd love to see you there. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us on Well, Well, Well this week. We'll catch you next Thursday. Thanks for listening to Well, 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 your show for LGBTIQ health and well-being. Presented by Joy Sponsor, Thorn Harbour Health. For more on these topics and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.